You're listening to the Casual Swinger Podcast. As your host, we need to warn you that the material you're about to hear may be sexual or explicit in nature. This podcast is intended for an adult audience. Now, we don't expect you to act like adults. What's the fun in that? We're a married couple living in Florida with over 13 years of experience in the lifestyle, and we take almost nothing seriously. Casual Swinger is a variety show, meaning we'll cover everything from music to events, travel, and even the occasional hilarious screw-up. Our show is about entertainment. We're not licensed professionals. Not anything. And our stories, commentary, and guidance should not be confused with the opinions of a licensed professional. Now that you know, let's take those pants off and get comfy. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Casual Swinger. My name's Mickey. And I'm Mallory. I'm all enthusiastic and shit tonight. You are. I love this. Yeah, this is kind of fun. So this is almost the end of season three. This is episode 21 of season three. We call it Hot Wife Euphoria. Oh, I'm so excited for this one. And hey, we're on time. I know. Like, this is a little weird for us. (laughs) Like, we're on time. Like, you know, back on the two-week schedule. Got our shit together. Cue the applause. I know. Give us kudos. Let's see if we can string three of these together. Oh, don't even. Like, (laughs) come on. That's asking for a pattern out of us. But so let's kind of. Talk a little bit about, well, first of all, uh, you know, we're not going to take the customary break after the season. So, you know, yes, the season's coming to an end, but we're probably just going to roll right into season four because we took two of those breaks this season. Yeah. Oops. You know, bad on us. And yeah, because this is the second to last episode. We have one more to close the season, right? Yeah. That one's going to be a fun one, too. We're getting all that teed up for next week now. But uh, any this is Hot Wife Euphoria. So what the hell happens when your favorite little hot wife does her thing? I come home sore, maybe. <laughs> right? <laughs> no? A, a is that day? the wrong answer? I don't know. It's not a bad answer. But it, it happened to us, and it happened to two of the smartest, coolest, sexiest, most beautiful people we know. Who are those? Yeah, that would be the lovely Kate and Liam from Monogamish Marriage. That is a fact. Yeah. And they're joining us today to talk about Hot Wife Euphoria. But before we get there, I wanted to talk a little bit about how this happened, because uh, you know, every once in a while when we do an episode, sometimes Mallory kind of takes the lead on on writing the episode and figuring out what it's going to be about. And sometimes I do. Sometimes we do it together. This was kind of mine. Yeah, very much so. And I, I love that you brought this up and wanted to do uh, the episode uh, regarding uh, Hot Wife Euphoria. Because in the episode, we cover some of the emotions that happen with um, the wives and the husbands before and after, specifically after yeah. um, these experiences. And... You know, something, I'll, I'll let, I don't want to take your glory, I'll, I'll let you explain to the listeners how this came to be, because you saw a Twitter post of theirs, right? It's exactly that's, what that's happened. happened. So, it, just to kind of put some framework around it, we yeah. all went down to Podcast Palooza, yes. South Beach, Miami, a few weeks ago. You guys heard it on the show, heard it on every other show out there right now. And Kate and Liam had a great fucking time. Like, yeah, they actually sh- strung two trips together, right? Because they came they to PCAP, PCAP, had some downtime, then went to Desire, mm-hmm. and then back to Canada. They did. And they're back in Canada now, so we got to talk to them. That's how you guys are here about that in a few minutes. But in their latest blog, they wrote about their time at Podcastapalooza. And I think uh, talking to Liam, they have like three or four more. They had so much fun on this trip that they got like four blogs out of it. So that's awesome from a content creator perspective. But the one that they did, which is at themonogamishmarriage.com, was a fantastic blog. We loved it. But honestly, that's not what lit my fire. I do love their blog. I I read their blog pretty religiously. It's one of the first sex-positive content creator, you know, things I've ever really followed. But Kate posted this picture on Twitter, and it was her lying on a bed amongst these shopping bags and just all this really nice shit. And it was 
basically she explained in the tweet that it was this love and gratitude filled shopping expedition extravaganza that Liam took her on because he was so excited that she had such a good time and was so sex positive and he just felt so grateful toward her for sharing her excitement and her experience with him and that he could be a part of it. And he didn't know how to express himself except with a new Apple watch. (laughs) I mean, it was just the coolest thing. And for me, it was really, and you know, I talked about this with them offline, not during the show, which is why I'm bringing it up now that it was incredibly validating for me to, to see that there was somebody else that had the same sort of emotional journey after the fact. Yeah, it was really fascinating to see your reaction to it because I've seen you react that way. One on one, like this, this over, like you were overjoyed is the best term I found for it. You were just absolutely overjoyed at that experience that I have had. And you express all of this gratitude, like you're thankful and grateful. And the first time it happened totally confused me. Yeah, did it. And then you saw this tweet and you come in and you're like, I, I get it. Like this person and I understand each other in this regard. And like you said, you felt validated. Yeah, somebody gets me. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. Most of the time when I'm completely honest about where my head's at with certain things, uh, I get a quizzical look at best from, and maybe it's a vanilla, maybe it's a friend that, that knows about our lifestyle. And anybody that knows about our lifestyle, you know, knows that we sleep with other couples and that's about all they can stomach if they're a vanilla. That's that's what they can really wrap their head around. And there's a lot more to it than that, but I don't have I don't feel like I have to explain it to anybody. If if I have to explain it, I'm probably gonna say fuck you. It's just kind of my <laughs> but there's a reason for that, right? Yeah, so no, that's fair. Coming to terms with my non monogamous nature at a young age, I, I came on I came under this I wanna say scrutiny, but it really wasn't scrutiny. It was it was more ridicule is what I came yeah, under. Yeah, and you were fairly young. I was. I was seventeen. And it was really difficult and it caused me to hide my nature, not only in my relationships, but in my friendships. It caused me to put on a show that I was somebody other than who I was. And I know that there's a lot of people that have a lot more experience with this than I do in the LGBT circles, but I always had to hide who I actually was because I'd never really been able to see somebody else be open about who they are and the emotions they're feeling I'd never experienced that validation before. That had never happened in my entire life. Yeah, I think it's amazing that you were that young and and you were in touch with yourself enough to know those are things you liked. And it must have been a little traumatic emotionally for you when you you expressed yourself to like your girlfriend at the time or your your friend at the time, and then they they threw this shame on you, like how you're weird and you're not normal and that's not okay and. I'm going to alienate you and make you feel even worse. Not only am I not going to accept you, I'm going to make you pay for being honest with me. Yeah, well, that happened. And what I got used to is I got used to just being alone with who I am. I just got used to being by myself emotionally and when it comes to that side of my, my psyche and personality and sexuality. And I just was alone. And when I saw this for the very, I mean, honestly, the first time in my entire life, I saw something and went, that's me. Like, that person gets me. And it was so exciting that I literally, the very next thing I did was hammer out an email to Liam. Like, it was seconds later. Yeah, Yeah. minutes that email was in his inbox. Yeah. Yeah, like, we need to talk about this. And who in the hell else better to talk about it with than the person that made me feel that way? So we went out to Kate and Liam and said, we'd love to have you guys on the show. And you guys are going to hear from them 
in a little less than 10 minutes. But in the meantime, enough from me. What do we have going on? Oh, my gosh. Oh, let's see. So I already told everyone we're on time again. Just want to remind each other, you know, or us or them or all of them. Yeah, we're on time. That's yeah. great. Well, they do a really good job, by the way. Our listeners do a fantastic <laughs> job of going, hey, guys. Holding us, ac- holding us accountable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Womp womp. Where's the new episode? <laughs> hey, fucker. Yeah, we actually have a uh, really great announcement. Um, uh, I don't know if this is... Uh, Everyone's seen this on Twitter, but in some of our circles, Uberlube is a really, really popular uh, silicone lubricant, mm-hmm. and you were able to get it in the store on Casual Toys. Yeah, it was it was pretty neat. You know, people have been asking us for Uberlube forever, and I would say, as much as unique condoms have become the condom of the lifestyle, Uberlube may be the lubricant of the lifestyle. Between that and Sliquid. And a people love Uberlube for a lot of reasons. It is a proprietary formula that like two people know, and that's it. It's a family-owned company. Yeah, like here in the U.S. and Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah? They, they bottle and make this stuff in Skokie, Illinois, and ship it all over the world. <laughs> is and that funny I that I know thing. where I know where Skokie is? <laughs> you just you just wanted to say Skokie. I did, right? but I do know where it is. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, so. it's not Nipsalani, Michigan. That's your other favorite it's Ypsilanti. town. Ypsilanti. Whatever. Ypsilanti. Holy Toledo. <laughs> but, you know, these guys really impressed me in dealing with them, uh, dealing with Siobhan, who is their, uh, their admin over there, and just really, really, just really a great company to work with, and I was really excited that they wanted to come direct with us at Casual Toys. So we have them now. We have yeah. them in stock. It's ready to go. So if you need to make your shit slick, that's a way to do it. But, I mean, these guys actually encourage you to use that lube in some wildly different ways, too. I mean, in, when I started talking to them, it's a hair care product. It's a skin care product. It's an anti-chafing product. I can see the anti-chafing because of the viscosity of the, um, of the lubricant, and it's not one that after... Because sometimes when you apply heat, right, let's talk science for a second, mm-hmm. and heat um, creates water evaporation, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these lubricants will get stickier over time because what they're suspended in the liquid is evaporating, Which right? is and glycerin, also, basically, right? I, in a lot of cases. I guess so. But um, I've never used Uberlube and felt sticky. I mean, it is silicone, so like, what do you say? You get off two times, yeah, like you, trying you to come get off. twice trying to wash it off. <laughs> so, yeah. so it, I mean, it does stick around a bit, but it's not the nasty kind. Like, and I, I hate to call it out, like something I can't use anymore is Astroglide because my lady parts don't like it. It, it's mm-hmm. just not good for my body. Well, right? and it's that definitely gets super not something sticky. that's that's medically medically safe. And that's the other thing about Uberlube is it's right, FDA approved as a medical device. Yeah, which they, yeah, they had to go through some hoops. We Shit, talked, yeah, they did. When we talked about on the episode regarding body safe toys, we talked about, you know, medical use and all the testing it has to go through, which is why most dildos, for example, are for novelty use only, mm-hmm. right? So. I know of probably five other silicone lubricants out there uh-huh. that are not FDA approved medical devices. Yeah. So Uberlube is the only one that is that. And the thing that I think that stands out about it, and we'll stop talking about Uberlube, guys, I promise, but. Uh, the the thing that really stood out to me is that it does it leaves you feeling not slick but soft, smooth, and it's slippery, but it's not the same as like a Swiss Navy silicone. It's just not. It's different. Yeah, and I can't tell you what's different about it because only two or three people know that. But it's a family owned business. We really do admire them, and we're excited to have them be a part of the casual family. Agreed. 
So anyway, we got to go to lunch with some friends this weekend. Oh my gosh, yes. We get to celebrate um, a listener's birthday. We did. <laughs> it was so much fun. And we got to meet them as listeners, but we became friends with these guys over time. They had a boat party for her birthday, and we couldn't get out on the boat, unfortunately. Womp womp, which uh, sucks. I'm but a party pooper. i sorry. It's okay. They We met them at a restaurant on the water and got to hang out and give her a little birthday present. And Yeah, oh my gosh, she's the fucking cutest, I swear. It was freaking Yeah, hilarious. we got a video later that night, and oh my gosh, she's just, she cracks me up. She was using a Lovence Lush as a <laughs> neck massager. <laughs> It was the best. I wonder if we could pull an audio clip from there. Uh, anyway, I digress. But, you know, my but, thing is they are the owners of the largest condom order we've ever received. Yes, which we found out later on was kind of an accident. We're like, fuck it. We'll use them. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> they mean to order it. 20 packs of condoms <laughs> at one time. That was a mistake. That was the first thing I thought. I was like, I don't know what the hell they're doing, but I want to be there. Right. They're total sluts. We need to be friends with them. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. I love sluts. So, hey, happy birthday, girl. Hope it was a great one. Thanks for making us a part of your birthday. That was fun. Yeah. Speaking well, of new friends. Uh, Yes. Do you have any new friends? I might. Let's hear about I, it. I might. You know, there's <laughs> listeners out there who are wondering what the fuck's going on. I I think I said about what a month and a half ago. I was like, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm gonna have a slutty summer. Like that's my goal. I want to look back on the summer of 21 and be like, I was a slut and I was so good at being bad. I'm proud of myself for it. Um. So yeah. So I uh. I'm out there as a hot wife, and I'm looking for a couple friends on oh, a service or two. Yeah, and uh, so far I've connected with two prospects that seem very, very promising. So I have a couple dates coming up. Uh-oh. I'm a little nervous. So am I. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to be a total dork and blow it. No, blow it. <laughs> she said blow it, folks. I mean, I mean I'd love to blow it. You know, if it all I mean, works that's what out, but for. yeah. So, <laughs> how do you feel about my slutty summer and about my upcoming date? I am excited for you to have a good time, expand your horizons, enjoy yourself. You know, have a smile on your face. Uh, I call it kind of rounding out your wheel, right? So, you know, it's a good example is I think uh, one of those fellas is possibly a dancer, and I'm, I don't dance. Oh, right? my gosh, so. it would be. I don't, yeah. I cannot confirm nor deny this because I really don't know, but I have a feeling one of them can dance. And, oh, my God, I'm so, I, I'm, like, vibrating yeah. with hope. That's the sort of thing that I love about this lifestyle is that you can do some of those things, and it's no big deal. It's fun. Have a great time. and. It's not going to hurt my feelings a bit. Trust me, I will find shit to do. Yeah, so you're you're so good at supporting me through all of this, especially, like, during the date and then, of course, after, you know, we all, we all get to reap the benefits of support that. Support you with my penis. Yes, <laughs> for days and days and days and days. Um, but are you prepared for the panic that ensues when I have a date? The, the when Like, the Mallory's getting ready and can't pick an earring or a shoe or <laughs> has tried on it, seven that gets dresses. a little irritating. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. it's, it's okay because I, you come out and you wear, you have four different outfits and they all look amazing. You look sensational in all of them. And you're like, which one? I'm like, I don't know. Pick one. They all look good. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Oh, and then I ask you the questions that you have no hope of answering. Like, is no. this a little too casual? Cause I'm going for it and I'll give you like two descriptors. And you're like, I have no idea what that means. Right. I, I'm just, I don't, Come on, I don't do fashion. I wear fishing shirts for fuck's sake. I mean, I'm just not that guy. Yeah, at least you don't wear socks and Crocs. Like if I literally the the outfits that Stitch Fit sends me are my most fashionable outfits. Like if That's I look like true. I dressed properly and on purpose, it's because I have a stylist, folks. That's why <laughs> someone picked it out for you. Exactly. I had this chick. Her name's Jennifer. She's my favorite stylist. 
She does a great job. My <laughs> shoes match my belt for a change. You, actually, you have gotten some fantastic pants and shoes. I know. And I it's know. all because of that bitch. I it's know. not because I did it. I love her. Right, me I'm too. I'm going to write her an email and hey. thank her again. But anyway. Yeah, I can be a hot husband. So... <laughs> <laughs> so it is called. Fuck if I know, but I just made it up. It's going to be Maybe. a thing now. Everybody. Maybe. But I don't know that I could have a, the same amount of patience as what you have with me. Because I do require that. Because I get super, super nervous like right before the date. I'm totally cool. I, I've got the hang of this. But like that last half hour before I have to leave the house, I'm in a total panic. So I love you. You know I'm not good in crisis. So I don't know that I could be the same person for you that you are for me. Uh, well, you know, the thing of it is, though, I and I think we get into this with Liam here in a little bit. You know, there's a knot in your stomach as the other side of of a hot wife couple that comes up and you're like, oh, my God, she's leaving here to go potentially, like, get laid. Yeah. Like, that's, like, what? Wait a minute. That's not okay. I should be mad. I should be jealous. I should want to kick ass. I don't know. There's a lot to this, and we don't want to give away any more than we already have. Yes. With what's coming up. But this is uh, a wonderful episode, in my opinion, and I think these guys are absolutely going to love it. Um, what else we got going on? Anything else fun coming up? Yeah, uh, we have the ASN Awards coming up in September, and oh, yeah. then Hito in November. Oh, man. So we do have, like, a full end of the year. Yeah, we do. Well, And the ASN Awards are over your birthday. I know. So we're going to be celebrating your birthday at the ASN Awards. Yes. That's going to be fun. Yes, birthday spankings for me. <laughs> Lots of spankings, all that good stuff. And, hey, uh, what is it, like, next week, the week <gasps> after? We're invading Iowa. We're going to I Iowa. I'm so excited. I know. Everyone's Why in the fuck are you excited we're going to Iowa? Iowa. Because <laughs> Jess and Derek are there. We're going to spend oh, uh, the holiday weekend. weekend with them, which I'm super excited for. Love oh, those guys. Are there going to be fireworks in Iowa? Uh, maybe. Definitely in the bedroom. Oh, hot At least that's damn. a hope. <laughs> are, we, oh, are we presumptuous now? I, I You know, I don't want to put it out there, but I mean, I'd, I'd love to. Did you hear Just that saying. shit, Derek? She's Just coming saying. for you. Yeah. Yeah, Jess is not worried about me at all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just a matter of which one gets to her first. Oh, I'll probably lose that one. I always <laughs> lose that one to you. You two assholes disappeared last time they came here to visit. Hey, we're allowed to Scooby gang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did Mallory and Jess go? I don't know. Listen for the noises. Find the bedroom. <laughs> don't come in. <laughs> oh, there, there was coming. There was lots of coming. But anyway. Anyway, how about letting everybody know where they can find us since we only did it once this episode at the end? Oh, yeah. Uh, we are Casual Swinger everywhere. Feel free to check out our website, casualswinger.com. Send us an email, podcast at casualswinger.com. If you have notes or questions, you can also find us on social media, which is Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, and the dating sites, SLS, SDC, Double Date Nation, and Cassidy. And she's so damn good at that. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to introduce you to our good friends, the beautiful, the intelligent, the amazing monogamish marriage here in just a second. Thank you for joining us. We will be right back after this. You've been listening to Casual Swinger. And welcome back to Casual Swinger. I'm your host, Mallory. And my name's Mickey. And we're here with two beautiful human beings. And we're going to be talking hot wife euphoria today. Oh, two beautiful human beings. Mm. Let's see, how many beautiful human beings do we know? Uh, copious amounts of them at this point, I believe. We're very fortunate. Yeah, folk. I really don't understand how that continues to happen to us, but we are lucky people. There's no doubt about that. Yes. <laughs> but for who sure. do we have with us today? We have monogamish marriage. That is the beautiful Kate and the amazing Liam. Kate and Liam, how are you guys today? We're great. Thanks for having us. Uh, we're really thrilled to have you guys here. And 
So just to kind of tee up for everybody how this conversation happened and, and kind of how we came around to this, we had an experience a few weeks ago that we talked about in the last episode that we did. If you live under a rock or you just don't listen to the show very often, it was, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. It was a Playstyle Dynamics show where we talked a little bit about some of the fun stuff that we had done with another couple. But one of the things that had come up was just kind of the excitement that I had had for what a good time Mallory had had. And it was this incredible euphoric feeling, and I was so excited. And then I go on Twitter, and I see Miss Kate sitting on a bed surrounded by all this new shit. She had an Apple bag and a, and a bunch of, like, just cool, like, you know, high-end, like, store bags. And it looked like Liam had just kind of gone nuts because he was so excited for what a bad girl she was on their vacation here to the great United States and then down to Mexico. Uh, does that sound about right, guys, that I reached out to you pretty much right after that happened? Yeah, like I think within seconds, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate, yes. But it, my thought, I guess, what, that I had was that maybe that somebody else felt the way I did. Maybe somebody else was feeling that euphoric feeling and, and that just kind of worship toward their wife over just what a bad little girl they were. And I thought... Maybe this will be a fun topic. So you guys want to come on our show? And you were like, yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. Any excuse to talk to you two at any time, recorded or not recorded, we're all in. Oh, we're taking them up on that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Standing date. We'll get it on the calendar. Well, anyway, so let's kind of kick this thing off a little bit. Let's let's talk a little bit. I, you know, kind of, and this is a very freeform episode, guys, but you know, a round table here a little bit about, and just kind of the concept of hot wife euphoria. Yeah. yeah like a fireside yeah. chat. Yes. Yeah. Pull up a seat, even though it's 155 degrees in Orlando out here today. <laughs> yeah. And that's Fahrenheit. Yeah, right. <laughs> Step outside into the surface of the sun. Uh, so tell me, so let's start with Liam. So, you know, Kate had just the craziest time while you guys were out two weeks of being a bad, bad girl. How did yes. that make you feel, and how did that kind of transition to you treating her like a queen, like a princess, when the worship? Where did that come from? Well, it's a funny dynamic because I'm always surprised by what's been going on inside me when these sort of things happen. So she did all these things. I was cheering from the sidelines, but I'm not generally turned on in the moment. It's later uh, I have this welling up of feelings, both kind of erotic feelings, love feelings, connected feelings. And I remember the first time it happened, Kate had to say, you know, it's related to me being with so-and-so the night before. And I just did not make that connection until she said it. And then I realized, of course you're right. That's where it comes from. And so that continues. So when I'm in a situation like that, I'm kind of going on good faith that Later on, I'm going to feel spectacular. But in the moment, I tend to be more of a cool observer. And when he's talking about doing all these things, he's talking about the fact that at Podcast Palooza over the course of three days, I went off and fucked four different men. Uh, and um, <laughs> so... I'm sorry, can we just get a was, round of applause yeah. for Kate right here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he was there for a couple of those, um, but he was not there for, uh, for two of them. So... Um, in both of those situations, he, you know, gave me the green light and sent me off with two thumbs up um, yes. to go have a good time. But he wasn't necessarily 
in the room, able to witness it and feel the arousal in the moment. It was all just kind of this, you know, this lovely, generous, um, I just want my wife to have all the fun and all the good things kind of impetus on his part. So I love that so much. Now, we had a little pre-chat earlier this week, and uh, Kate, you had mentioned that, and, and correct correct me please if I'm wrong here, that that's not a core set of the dynamic between you two. You guys have had the, air quotes, hot wife experience to some degree, but not maybe um, as most people would define it on its face. But it sounds like at Podcast Palooza, you had a couple opportunities that afforded you that experience. And it what we want to dig into is, is possibly highlighting the the aftercare and the, and the feelings and the, all the emotions that come post event. Right. Now is, is that an accurate description? Yeah. So, I mean, Liam has been encouraging me for a few years now to, to date separately. Like he would love to have the, the true hot wife experience where I go on Tinder or some other site and shop for a man and meet him and have sex with him and come home and give him all the details. But that sounds a little scary to me. Um, I resisted that, but we have played separately for several years. So when it's a situation where maybe we're at a party or um, you know we might be in a two-on-two situation, but we go to separate rooms, um, we, you know, we're always free to go off and do whatever we want where you know wherever we feel most comfortable but it's always been kind of in the same space and with people that we know and have played with before um so this was a a little bit of a different situation where um at least one of the men i didn't know very well i had never played with before we'd only had the briefest of conversations at nadia norland's back in 2019 so um it was the, the freshest a relationship has ever been and the quickest I've ever jumped to having sex. And um, so it was the closest thing that we've come to a true hot wife experience where I just had a quick conversation, said, hey, do you want to meet me up in my room? He was good to go. And the night unfolded beautifully. Another round of applause, everyone, please. <laughs> the interesting thing is during that situation, while it was unfolding, I actually spotted two really cool people by the pool at the hotel <laughs> and said, there's two people I want to talk to. So I'm going to have a chat. And we chatted about, let me see if I can remember, business and kids and all that. So my part of the hot wife experience in real time is just having a matter of fact conversation with people I really like. And I'm not naming who those two people are, by the way. I'm just <laughs> protecting their confidentiality. Yeah, it sounds like they may have bored you to yeah, death. Uh, thing. No, the complete opposite. I am such a nerd, I cannot be bored to death. Well, it's it's kind of funny because, you know, I, I mean, I obviously we weren't those people, but, you know, but we, you we were. really do exactly that thing, right? We... we talk about the mundane things life kids pursuit of happiness we're at a swinger yep. event we should have been like why are you wearing pants there liam <laughs> true story so, uh you know it's funny that you mentioned kind of the desire kate you know to to have more of those types of experiences uh as a couple that dabbles in hot wife as we do uh that's definitely something that i've given mallory the kind of the, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, it's not like I give her anything. She does what it's, she wants. No, no. I think you um, offer support mm. is, is an encouragement is the best way to put it. Um, 
I, I'm with Kate. It is scary the first time you go shopping <laughs> for a boy, which is really funny that you put it that way because I found it a little objectifying. But at the same time, like, I don't know another term. And if there is one out there, please, you know, feel free to let me know, you know, <laughs> send the hate mail to Mallory at casualswinger.com. Um, but it is, it's a little scary. It's a little intimidating because it feels very, uh, isolated right. where we've always operated as a unit. So I've had to keep it in the back of my mind that this is still nurturing and supporting my relationship, even though I'm being an individual and seeking out playtime with one other person. That's not my husband. Right. Um, and I'm actually, you know, in the throes of it right now, um, have, have a couple of potentials on the hook and I'm interested to see what happens. I've really only had that pure hot wife experience, you know, a few times with it, special person and now I'm I'm looking to kind of repeat that or duplicate it or or have something that was just as much fun in a different narrative maybe right I don't know so but I'm with you it is it is a little intimidating it's a little scary to to step out there and do that right and I get what's in it for me like that's very apparent. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes sometimes I struggle with like what's in this for you? Like I love you more than anything and mm-hmm. I don't really understand how this is feeding you. And I know if it was me sitting at home while you are off fucking a stranger, I wouldn't feel great about that. So anyway, so I struggle a little bit too with is this really good for you? Like I don't know if I feel comfortable with the whole thing but anyway he seems to like it so well i think my guide overall in the lifestyle is that i'm following emotion more than logic so i too might struggle with what exactly is in it for me but i know that the first time i heard about the hot wife paradigm something inside of me said must do that (laughs) must make that happen (laughs) and so I find that to be a pretty good guide in terms of just following my pleasure and um, wherever I find it after, of course, a quick morals check to make sure I'm not finding it in objectionable places. But that just seemed like her having fun with someone else just strikes me as something I really want to do. And as for the logic behind it, I can probably put something together in terms of compersion and maybe, uh, you know, a different perspective on her experience. But I fortunately don't really have the jealousy gene in my DNA. I've had it checked by 23andMe. They looked and they could not find it. I I, I think you guys are cut from the same cloth. And I find that fascinating. Um, the, the first time you kind of had that epiphany of yours that, oh, that hot wife experience. Yeah, let's do more of that. Was it counterintuitive? Because it seems like you gravitated towards that and came to terms with it or seemed to find positivity in it immediately. I mean, was it, did you struggle with that at all? Well, I would say the first time that I, I saw Kate with another man was a rolling total disaster <laughs> on, the emo- okay. on the emotional level. I'm the one that was pushing for it. And when it actually happened, I completely... Uh, struggled with the entire scenario. But at the end, when Kate was inclined to say, I never want to see you like that again, let's never do that. Part of me realized there was something great in there. And if we could just tinker with the details, it'll probably be fantastic. And that's what we did over the next two or three times with that individual. And it became very, very great. So once again, my intuition was a good guide, but the actual first step was brutal. 
I think that first step, it, at least for me, was kind of like the Wiley Coyote Cliff thing. Like you just <laughs> kind of walk out onto it, and the ground falls out from under you, and you hold up the little sign that goes, help, and <laughs> off you go, right? I mean, there's, there's yeah. no... I, I, I've had some conversations with a few, you know, singles. I've had a few conversations with guys who are contemplating it that think they might be turned on by it. Uh, listeners, people at events and things like that. And, and I don't know that there's any way to prepare them for it. I don't know that there's any way to say this knot in your stomach that is telling you fight or flight, right? That's the, that's what's happening is you're feeling fight or flight response. And you're, you're going, I should be angry. I should be jealous. I should, lash out i should be i should be protective i should be something other than turned on right now uh so i don't know that in the moment uh for me anyway that maybe when you're when you are off having some sort of an experience whether i'm there or not at the hotel or not or at the event or not uh in those moments sometimes i'm not exactly turned on i don't know exactly what i am in those spaces uh, it's not turned on usually. I don't sit around with a hard on waiting for you to get back because that'd just be weird. But uh, I mean, maybe, maybe not. But maybe. But I can tell you that the result of it, and, and I've thought a lot about this. Right. So if you go way back to I don't know mid nineties, uh, Dennis Leary did a did a whole skit called No Cure for Cancer, and during that entire thing that Dennis Leary did, he said that happiness is not a state of mind. Happy happiness is not a place that you get to. Happiness comes in 30-second increments. Happiness is the cigarette. Happiness is the cheeseburger. Happiness is the orgasm. It's, it's something that happens in very sporadic increments in life. And I don't necessarily disagree with them, but what I can tell you is that an orgasm is about as happy as a human being can possibly be at any given moment in the entire fucking universe. <laughs> Right, I mean, I all agree. I've with that. seen. I mean, come on, you just don't make that crinkly face, right? And everybody knows what face <laughs> I just made. If unless something really bad or really good happens, and the reason I bring that up is as a person who genuinely feels the kind of love that I can't put words around, and I'm pretty good at words. You can't put words around that. That kind of love that you feel for another human being, you want them to have the perfect happiness when you really love somebody. And what's more perfect than all the orgasms she can possibly stomach, <laughs> right? Whether or not you give them to her is irrelevant. You want her to have them. So when we've talked about hot wife and, and the resulting conversations that come of it, which are always fucking hot, mm-hmm. I always ask, did you have fun? Did you get off? Were you happy? Did you, you know, and what did you get out of it? That's what I care about. It's not like, did you do this? Did you do that? Was he big? Blah, blah, blah. It's not this porn video. It's more about her happiness for me. So what I'm curious about from you, Liam, is is that does it track the same way for you? Is it about hearing about her happiness? Is that the fulfilling part? Or is it just that you get to bend her over the couch while she tells you the story? Because that's fun too. Oh no, it's absolutely but the happiness thing. Because if I ask how did it go and I get a shrug of the shoulders back, the whole thing is now dead for me. And then she can actually be bending over the couch while she's shrugging her shoulders and it's over. So for me to hear her say, it was really good with a look in her eyes that I recognize as like total sincerity. That's like, now we're on the rocket ship and we're heading to parts unknown because this is going to be great. I like the look on Kate's face right now too. Uh, She just kind of has that look of contentment. Like he loves me. (laughs) He's often said that he wants me to find the hottest, fittest, 
youngest, if that's what I want, man, I can find. He wants a treat for me is what he always says. And that seems to go against everything we're supposed to feel, right? We don't want to have someone who's a threat to us get close to our partner. But Liam has this, you know, again, this generous impulse where he just wants me to have the best of everything. So whether that's the best men in bed or the best lingerie or (laughs) whatever, like he wants to treat me. Um, And it's, you know, it's not an unwelcome feeling. It's very yeah. nice. Yeah. The best Apple Watch. I just saw that flying around in the screen. So. <laughs> yeah. there best lingerie from Casual Toys. Hey, that was a generous plug. Thank you. Oh, I love you guys so much. Oh, we're big, we're big supporters. But I, I realize oh. we're having another conversation right now. No, I still appreciate it. Oh. It's amazing. Now, I, I think that for us, this whole experience has been an evolution. It definitely started when we first started having the conversation. She's like, oh my God, I I could never do that for you. So I could never do it. That was one of the first Mm -hmm. things came out of her mouth. Yeah. And I don't think that I can give that back to you. Are you still okay with it? And my response, much like I believe yours would be Liam is I want to see you happy, whatever that means. And that was really kind of how we started down that path. Now things have evolved and changed over time where it's, it's a little less restrictive, but it's not really my desire either. My desire is for her happiness. And a good example, today she walked past me in the kitchen. She's having a chat with a guy that happens to be from Texas. And she's a dancer. She's been a dancer forever. Uh, I, however, might as well. Not a good one. I just like right? it. <laughs> she's a great one. Just have to add a disclaimer. Uh, don't let her bullshit you guys. She's a phenomenal dancer. Uh, yeah. But the the thing that really kind of stands out to me is I, I'm kind of a mono-legged individual. I don't have two left feet. I've got one, and it points the wrong direction. So <laughs> it just isn't my thing. But for her to have generated a relationship with somebody that maybe does, it's not just about yeah. sex, guys. I, I don't know why, but that, that flag went up in my head, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he is literally from Texas live there till young adulthood and there's a good chance he could two-step and I have a I have a soft spot for Texas two-step and on all fairness Angie from Average Swingers has has taught us several times I have six <laughs> concussions she could literally teach me she could pull out the Dead Sea but, Scrolls and recite them to me I won't remember yeah, yeah. <laughs> also true but I I was like a little kid I, I like uh I, I don't know I, I skipped a little I danced a little like I was giddy and like squealing yeah, it, it was really exciting for me, and then I saw that <laughs> you were happy for me that 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 was a potential, yeah, you know, plus to you know going but out. But see, this that's guy. also the trick to getting in Mallory's pants. You have to connect with her somewhere other than sex, right? Yes. You can't just be like, "Here's my penis," uh, right. because it's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, now, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, I'll just I'll just boop it, <laughs> boop it, like, <laughs> yeah. right on the nose. Boop. For me, I'm just a little bit different, and I think that the euphoria side of it for me the crazy fun part for me was when I got to see you on video that really lit me up because I saw the smile on your face that was just yeah, and my little t-rex arm oh yeah that was funny <laughs> as hell we so apparently there's a scene where I'm I'm writing this person and I was so happy. I was like a little puppy dog or bunny <laughs> rabbit, and I'm bouncing, and I have my my wrist like cocked and curled, yeah. well, like a kitten about to lick its paws. I love that you said there's a scene, like it's a full feature length film. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're at it a while. It's epic drama scene. 
<laughs> right. Well, I'm sorry. Right when Stanley Kubrick stepped in and said, cut, you were like, but I'm not done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not done until I right. say I'm done. That's Come on. It rules. had to be a Kubrick flick, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, I think for us, it, it it is different than just about sex. And the, one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation with the four of us is I kind of think you guys feel the same way about it. I think it's all of those things. Now, don't get me wrong. If we were at PCAP and Mallory come up to me and went, hey, I'll see you in an hour. I'd been like, great. I don't know that I even would have asked her where she was going. Uh, it's I just trust her that much that she's like, I'll let you know when I get back if it was any good. Peace out. I find that a little exciting and disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> and I I do kind of want to get to a point where I feel comfortable enough to do that. I'm I'm baby stepping it. How did you get to that point, Kate? How did you get to the point where you were just like, Band-Aid off, I'm going to go do this sexy thing? Well, I guess we've been, you know, creeping up to the edge of it with our separate play. Um, so, you know, there have been lots of times at parties where I'll go to Liam and say, hey, I'm going to be up in the bedroom or down in the playroom with this person or these people. And, um, and then I just, you know, scamper off and do my thing. So we've been, we've been practicing with training wheels on for, for several years now. So this didn't feel like it was all that different because Liam was just downstairs. I was just going up to our room in the hotel. It was almost like we were in the same place. Um, so it didn't feel quite as, uh, as scary, as much of a leap as it would have if I was getting in the car by myself to go somewhere far away from the house. You know, he was close enough that if I had had an issue, he was just a text away and he could have been up in the room in five minutes. So um, I think that lent me um, a bit of security and comfort. And the fact that I had, um, you know, I, I had met this guy before I knew his wife Um and we had had a couple brief conversations and then we'd followed them online. I felt like I knew him a little bit, um, not all that well, but enough that I, I had a good sense of, um, you know, the fact that he was a good person and trustworthy and gentle. And um, so it wasn't just meeting someone cold and being with that person alone. So there were a lot of little things that made me feel comfortable and safe. I love that. Liam, did it feel any different for you? No, not in the moment. It didn't. I was excited by the basic facts of the situation. So this was, this was definitely something we have never done before. So I'm registering that at a deep level. I think my job when I talk to those two people by the pool is just to let that thing happen. Now there's nothing I can do. I, I come back into the story when it's over. So I'm just I'm marking time, but I've been through these situations so often now, not this exact one, but ones like it, where I know it's going to be really good for me. So all I have to do is just let it happen and stay out of the way. So that was my job and I nailed it. <laughs> I think you did great. So, and, and a lot of conversations that we've had um, as husband and wife, we call that self-soothing. You find something mm. to occupy your time to allow the things to happen. Do you think you use that as a mechanism or did you in that moment? Um, yeah, but not consciously. That's just a, that's just the position that I fall into because so you know, it's like muscle memory now for me. Like I've seen this happen. I know how it goes and I just have to do the things I always do, even though the situation is different the results are probably going to be the same or even better. And I can tell you it was better. 
so I'm not gonna lie, I do actively read you guys' blog. Uh, it's you're one of the one of the creators that I follow religiously. Always have been, as a matter of fact. Thank you. Were you. The first lifestyle content creator that I got into. It wasn't audio. It wasn't podcast. It was you guys. So I've been following wow. you guys for a long time. And yes, and thank you for what you do and creating something that turns my twisted brain on and, and makes me think because I think those are amazing capabilities that both of you have in the way that you write in your monogamous marriage blog. Uh, for those of you that don't know, because we really didn't talk about that at the beginning of the episode, if you don't know, they have a blog and it's awesome, themonogamousmarriage.com. <laughs> but that said, you know, we talked a little bit about security and we talked a little bit about kind of how you soothe in the process of, of going through this. So first on security, I want to talk a little bit about, and, and maybe you don't have enough experience and this isn't a negative thing uh, with this, but do you have any procedures or anything that you guys go through when Kate does leave with somebody else? Are there any security metrics there for if this happens, do X, uh, send me the address that you're at uh, to my phone, that sort of thing. Cause we do. And I wanted to see if you had anything similar or if you'd even thought about it. No, but we're taking notes right now because you're further <laughs> down the track than us. So we never thought about that, but now we're going to actually have a whole checklist based on, um, on your wisdom. Oh. Well, we, ha we have definitely thought about that. I've, I've imagined this scenario and, and taken it right through to the end where I get raped and murdered. <laughs> Stay away from the, the crime shows before a date. <laughs> yeah. That's our tip number one. <laughs> Stay away from those. So yeah, um, if I were to go, you know, to a traditional hot wife scenario, you know, go somewhere on my own, I would definitely make sure that Liam had all the information in advance that he had access to um, whatever texts or, you know, messages had been exchanged, that he knew the address of the place we were meeting. So I would make sure and that the location thing on my phone was on, right? Um, yes. I would, I would make sure but you know, these are the things that make me feel apprehensive about it, because I have to go through all of these, you know, checklists in my mind. And I don't want to do that. I want to be spontaneous. I just want to kind of vibe with someone and feel in the moment like, ah, yes, you, me, let's fuck right now. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I feel like part of the thing that's holding me back in addition to the safety thing is all the, the planning, the pre-planning. It feels a little inauthentic to me. I just want to meet someone and and just kind of feel it out. I don't want to have there be, you know, an expectation that because we are now meeting at a hotel that we're going to necessarily have to fuck after. Yeah. So Yeah. I know. No, I think we we may be the same person. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Very much so. I'm with you because it does it feels very structured and clinical and I almost feel like a jerk especially when I'm having the conversations I'm like you need to be comfortable with, you know, not just coming to terms with we're probably not having sex in the first date. In fact, mm -hmm. I would prefer we didn't, mm -hmm. you know, so this is time invested and it may not work out and it, there is a lot of planning. So it takes away some of that spontaneity and some of the, the natural organic flow mm -hmm. that it has, but in the same right, you know, this is the conundrum I've been in is you can't meet anybody by not doing anything and not planning. Right. right? So I wish I was standing under the single guy swinger tree <laughs> and I just shake it a little bit and the perfect one falls out and then I have my lunch and everything's great. Um, but it just doesn't happen like that. But we've talked about it. Location sharing. Like if I were to leave where I'm supposed to be without notifying him first, that's definitely a red flag. You know, you know, buddying up with a bartender if it's not going well and I need to get out of there. 
stuff like that. Right. But but I feel you, and I'm finding it easier to once I get to the location to hyper focus and and just let all of the other structure and pre-planning kind of fall aside and just immerse myself in that person mm-hmm. to really see if we click because I want to give it the best opportunity possible. So answer me this because I've never been a girl or dated. <laughs> so, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Regardless of Good how I know. dress at Hedo for parties. But mm-hmm. uh, tell me, what's different about preparing for a hot wife date from when you were single? I mean, did you have any of these concerns when you were single going on dates? I mean, did you think about getting raped and murdered when you went out with a guy that you met online or you met at a, at a I, conference? I've or? never dated. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't dated since I've never dated. In my early 20s. I don't even remember what that's like. Yeah. I, like, so you never dated? That's crazy. No. How, how did you meet Liam? Did you shake the tree and he fell out? Yes. <laughs> he was a peeping Tom. She kicked the shit out of the tree outside of her apartment. He just fell to the ground. There you are. Yeah, I swear. Every man I've ever had any sort of relationship with has just kind of fallen into my lap, so to speak. Like I've never gone out and actively looked for someone. The first time I did that was with Liam when we started swinging. So yeah, I've never gone by myself on a date with a person I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Everyone else had been friends with me before. Like, you know, my first husband, yeah. I had known him from the time I was eight years old. You know, Liam, we were on the same church music program for three years and just kind of slowly got to know each other. So, yeah, I, I've never dated. See, I know what the problem is, Liam. I, I, I understand it now. I thought that it was because I'm not a girl. It's that they're not ugly. See, ugly people, we have to work for it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the problem. You're so silly. No, I, you know, so the other thing that, that I was going to ask in addition to security, though, is I think the process of, of going out and, and doing these things, you know, sharing locations, sharing where you parked, I think those processes are probably different for every couple depending on comfort levels with the person and, and what sort of thing they're looking for. But I do think it's good to have some sort of a procedure like that. And that's in any kind of solo play, right? Because you don't necessarily know who you're dealing with or who you're going to be meeting with. You know who they purport themselves to be. But you don't necessarily know if they are who they say they're going to be or what you're going to necessarily walk into. So that is a little scary. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the euphoria, the happy shit. Yeah, I want to get into all of the emotions and things that happen after because I'm so fascinated by it. I I personally continue to be fascinated by it. I don't know why I feel the way I do about it. I just know that I do. I know that it works for me, and I know that it's a lot of fun, and it works for her, and it works for our dynamic. Uh, but I'm interested what your th- do you and Kate. And I'm talking to Mallory and Kate at the same time here. I'm looking at Mallory, and you know it's we're, we're, it's crazy. <laughs> I got but anyway, you. <laughs> uh, do you guys ever? I don't know. Sit back and and really. Think about this in the context of of pleasing us. I mean, do you is there do you do any of this stuff thinking about this is going to turn my husband on? Let me make sure I do X. Yes. That's yeah, one. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely in the back of my mind. Yeah, and I mean, what sort of things do you guys do? It's, we we this is audio. We're going to have to explain ourselves. <laughs> uh, well, I'm. Um, I'm always aware of the fact that Liam is very visual. So if he's anywhere where he can see me, I want to make sure I give a good show, right? I want him to be able to see 
all the things he likes to see. And if he's not there, I want to try and get some pictures or video so that he can have a visual experience after. So I know, yeah. Mickey, you had the the pleasure of being able to see Mallory on, on video recently, and it was powerful for you. So um, I don't think that works for me in the same way. I'm not as visual, um, but I know that that's how Liam operates. So I try to indulge that as much as possible. And then, you know, the whole treat thing, like he wants me to have a good looking man. So, you know, I make the sacrifice of um, <laughs> trying to find a really cute guy. <laughs> oh, we really are martyrs. I'm saying like, that's a real thing. So it's funny that you say he's visual. So Mickey um, depends on imagery. So me painting a picture using my words after the fact has always kind of been part of our sexual dynamic post event, whether that was swinging with another couple or me playing on my own. So I know that I'm subconsciously logging like the high moments um, of my engagements to make sure that I have some descriptor later on to use when I'm whispering in his ear, like how good it was or how it felt or what exactly they did to, to pleasure me. And there's something in that dynamic that it, it really sets him off. He's, he's actually really cerebral uh, fuck anyways. Mm -hmm. Like his, his pleasure comes from the mind period. You know, I could, and he's got a wonderful penis. I could have that in my mouth all day, all night, but without the words and the emotions and, and the imagery, the physicality of it is just not enough for him. Hmm. And, and he really enjoys that part. You can stop me anytime. Oh, no, I'm just letting you wax poetic <laughs> about my <laughs> fucked up mentality. And I don't think it's fucked no. up. I love that because I get to be the center of attention, not just physically, but for you mentally and emotionally. And I mean, that's that's the whole trifecta there. We had a lot of proto hot wife moments in our history. And I'm thinking now, just as we're talking about one of them, and it was an early trip to Hedo. And uh, Kate went to the bar. If you can picture being on the nude beach, she went up to the walk oh, yeah. walk up part of the bar, not the swim, swim up part of the bar. Yeah, I'm watching her walk naked. Yeah, now. go ahead. And she gets there and she starts chatting with someone. And I'm on one of the blue recliners. All of a sudden, someone gets in my way. I move. I just pick up the recliner. I'm now not pretending not to just be staring at what my <laughs> wife's up. I pick up the recliner, put it in a totally unnatural place, lay there with my chin in my hands. And then when she looks over at me just briefly, I do this symbol, which is the international symbol of directors, which is keep the scene going. This is really good. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. And she got He's so like doing the rolling hands right now, guys, for those of you that yeah. don't know what Liam's doing over here. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was just a moment where I, you know, that visual aspect that we're talking about, I was just fully locked in. And those are the things that I think without having any destination in mind prepared me for what we would now call a hot wife situation. That was a mini hot wife. She was a hot wife for, I don't know what it was, two and a half minutes talking to this handsome stranger, but all the ingredients were there and just had to be expanded on later. And it just started out with something so simple as her being beautiful, him having desire, and her just playing the lure, basically, right? I mean, that's just standing there being hot and talking to him and probably enjoying the conversation if he was a good-looking guy. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of amazing. So something else in your blog that stood out to me, and I'm not going to sit here and hit you on all the things in your blog, and I haven't <laughs> read it since the first time I read it, but this stood out that much to me. You went upstairs while she was with Brad, I believe his name was. 
<laughs> and this was after that you talked to the unnamed couple down by the yeah. pool. <laughs> and uh, you went outside the room to kind of check in and just kind of see if everything was going well. So you stopped and you listened for a minute and you heard pleasurable sounds coming from the room. Yeah, There is I... something that happens in your brain when you hear <laughs> your wife having a great time on the other side of a door. I want to know what happened in yours. Yeah, well, I had received some ambiguous texts. So first she said, we're heading upstairs. So I go, I think to myself, that's great. Then she says, you can join if you want. And I read that as, oh, she's feeling a little nervous with this, the intimacy, the intensity of the one-on-one situation. She wants me to be there. Then I say, um, she says, he's not here yet. And I say, uh, maybe I let 10 minutes pass. Is he there? Or are you alone is what I said. And she said, no, just one word, no. So I don't know whether she still wants me there and or no means, uh, no, I'm not alone and this is rocking, so don't get in the way. So I ended up going upstairs and hovering super pathetically outside the door, <laughs> listening. And I don't know if Kate selected the hotel for this reason, but those doors are thick and it's hard <laughs> to hear stuff. So I'm hearing sounds and I think they sound like pleasurable sounds. So I'm straining to figure out what's going on. Am I needed or am I going to wreck the situation? It feels like there's a lot at stake. So I just kept listening and then it sounded, it was, it was, people were having fun in there. So I realized I don't need to be busting through the door. That would be the exact wrong thing to do. Well, and at that moment, Brad's wife walked by so the two of you were in this interesting, slightly awkward position of being outside the door, having, again, a vanilla conversation, while on the other side of the door, their spouses are, you know, having orgasms. Yes, but can I say something? I think our conversation was at least as intimate as the sex you and Brad were having on the other side of the door. We were connecting very intensely. We weren't chatting about the weather or the baseball game. We were talking about what it meant that our partners were doing, what they were doing separate from us and how that played out in our entire relationships. It was, it was, we were having a really beautiful moment. Aw. Okay. I'm going to stop laughing because <laughs> that's really, that is really sweet and touching. And so it was a, an incredible opportunity to have that moment with his partner outside the room. Yeah. So that that's wonderful. I'm not in competition. I don't have that maybe that old masculine ego desire to say, well, if she's having sex, certainly I've got to at least have sex with one woman, preferably two women to assert mm -hmm. who's the truly dominant individual <laughs> in this relationship. Um, I was happy to let my relationship with Chloe, Brad's wife, be exactly what my relationship with Chloe should be and not some kind of scorekeeping um, interaction. Do you think that's what it is? I mean, we see that a lot, uh, especially in my early days in the lifestyle. And, of course, I was younger then. Uh, and I'm not old by any means now, by the way. I'm not even close to AARP or, or you know, <laughs> I wish I was closer to retirement financially. But uh, I live in Florida, so my my measure for old is really high, by the way. Like, <laughs> like liver-spotted 80s, like, you know, blue hair sticking up over the steering wheel. But because uh, we do have some listeners that are a little older than me and go, stop talking about old people. But anyway, <laughs> you know, my gist of it is... I really feel like a lot of guys like are desperate to be engaged in what's going on. And when they're not much to your point, Liam, they just kind of 
inject themselves maybe where they're not necessary or they feel like they have to be a part of things. Do you think maybe that's part of our hot wife dynamic too, that we are confident enough in what's going on that we don't feel like it has to be about us? Right. Well, I, I remember figuring out at some point that, you know, um, Kate's email address starts with the word Anglophile. So that means a lover of all things English. She's an English major. She teaches Shakespeare. Her fantasy guy is a floppy-haired bookworm from Oxford or Cambridge would do, I think, as well. And so, but I realized I could get her the floppy-haired guy with the perfect upper-class, but not too upper-class English accent. And she's tall, so maybe he's a couple inches taller than me. He's maybe a bit younger than me. She could have all those things, and they don't begin to duplicate what we've built together as a couple. Like, there's no way she's walking back from that encounter and saying, oh, I think he's going to be a very consistent supporter of me and my dreams and my children <laughs> and a good financial decision maker and all those other things. So realizing that was very empowering. That it's I'm not three physical attributes away from losing this woman. Yeah, it's the MC Hammer principle. You just can't touch this. <laughs> you, you do not have, there's no one on this planet that could touch what and we And this have. draws the line. Yeah. This is it right here. The difference between us and the monogamous marriage is Kate quotes Shakespeare, Mallory quotes MC Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> just keeping it real for the common folk. Yeah. Both great poets in their time. <laughs> True legends. I did not say that. <laughs> True legends among us, MC Hammer and William Shakespeare. <laughs> no, but I, I, I absolutely get that. And I kind of think um, when we first had the conversation and I looked at Mickey and I said, you know, I don't think I feel the same way you do. I don't have that same uh, type of compersion that or fantasy or kink in my mind that when you go play with somebody else separately, that it's going to turn me on. I may not mind it. I may support you in it, but I don't get the same results out of it. So I'm looking at you and going, do you expect quid pro quo? Because from my experience before I met you, in a lot of cases, that's what is expected. Mm -hmm. You give one, you take one. You know, it's, it's Which is very, ridiculous to me. It is, it is ridiculous because not everyone's the same. So you're looking for this balance of quote-unquote equality when it's not a one-for-one. No, one. And you're so situational, too. I mean, you say that, and then, uh, what is it, uh, I don't know, last summer or whatever, Jess was blowing me, and I look over Jess, and you're laying in the floor masturbating watching. So. I know. <laughs> See, things happen. You know, and, and I've liked seeing you with other women, but it's never turned me on like that. I was insatiable. I was like, keep going. Keep I was going. saying the same thing. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. She had two cheerleaders. One of us was more excited. So I want to get to the second part of this. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the woman's experience and fears and, and all of that. Yes. And, and Mallory, you just said, like, I don't think I would be turned on by the same situation if the roles were reversed. And I feel exactly the same mm. way. I think I would be happy for him to have a nice experience, mm. but it wouldn't be sexually arousing. So what is it in you guys that not only can you send your wives off to have sex with someone else, but when they come back, you want to shower us with gifts and buy us an island. What is that about? I think I realize at a certain point, you know, and this is particular to my upbringing. I wouldn't be the only one, but it wouldn't be the same for everyone. And that is that 
I grew up with a mother, the most wonderful mother in the world, but never mentioned the letters S, E, and X together in a sentence ever. And, um, and I married a first wife who also was pretty, well, let's say she struggled with the idea of sex and pleasure and prioritizing it and that. So, so there's a disconnect. You're looking at the world of women as a man, as a man, as a particular kind of man with a particular kind of upbringing and saying, there's a big difference. Why aren't you turned on the way that I'm turned on? And then I get into a situation, you know, that you would call a hot wife situation where suddenly, oh, my wife is really enjoying having sex for the sake of sex. There's nothing about satisfying a husband in a traditional sense and securing her economic future. This is just another human being pursuing pleasure in a way that looks very familiar to me. And so I think that that level of connection is a big, I don't pretend to understand all the dimensions, but that is definitely a part of it for me. So for me, I think it's as simple as I'm, I'm going to say something that is a cliche at this point. It's been said so often been said so many times in so many ways that maybe the meaning has been lost. If you love something, set it free. And for me, the idea that being married to me means there's something she can't have would be a death by a thousand cuts. To, to suggest that being married to me puts limits on who she can be, who she can befriend, who she can have, who she can appreciate, enjoy. There are so many things in this world that I am. I know I'm a lot of things that are worthwhile and I know that I have value and I'm not sitting here kicking myself going, you got to go find somebody better than me, thinner than me, taller than me, younger than me. That's not the point. The point is that those things exist and if they fulfill a part of her, then I want her to have them, all of them, all the time. Right. Because I do love her that much that I think she deserves it. Yeah, and that's that that's, thing, uh, the idea of, is your marriage a place of yes, or is it a place of no? So a very simple way of, of looking at it. And I, I've, that's the way I think of that same uh, feeling inside, Mickey, is that I want it to be a place of yes. Like, this is where dreams come true in this marriage. A place of hell yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still fascinated by Mickey's reaction um, to that situation. And something that stood out in the most recent conversation we had, uh, post-event, aftercare, whatever you, you want to call it, in that state of euphoria, you looked at me and you're like, I am just so overwhelmed with my happiness, of your happiness, that I just find myself being so grateful and you were shaking and I could see like this joy in your eyes. That's true. And it, it, for me, that it was really intense, really beautiful. Um I'm still not sure exactly where that comes from or how those emotions roll through you. And, and I mean, we talked about that for days and every time it was brought up, it's almost like you were put right back into that same position. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can go ahead and answer since she's talking to me. She's staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think it's just, it's fascinating. To yeah. Me. Uh, well, it's fascinating to me too. Cause I wasn't exactly looking forward to it. I didn't expect it was going to happen. We've yeah. been in yeah. that situation lots but, of times. That's never happened. So there was something different in this experience, and that was prior to that particular experience. 
I'd really not been privy to it. I heard the stories. But stories, especially for me as a storyteller, I feel like there's aspects of a story that I can manipulate to serve the story, right? I mean, uh, one of the first things I learned in creative writing was never let the truth stand in the way of a good story. But I feel like, for me, the story was told in your face, in your eyes, and and it, you just... It was not about anybody but you in that moment. And for me, that was so powerful that you were seizing something for yourself. And that's all I ever wanted for you to do was just reach out and grab it. And boy, did you. Yeah. And then like the after effects, the state of contentment and, you know, going back to, you know, this showing your gratitude and wanting to shower us and, and make us, you know, put us on pedestals and treat us like princesses. I could have literally asked for anything. If, if I needed you to tie my shoe, you would have dropped down on your knees and did it for me right then. Like any anything to cater to me and my needs because you just felt so overjoyed. And and I, I, I don't know the words. You can give them the words because <laughs> you were the one feeling uh, it, I just think it was kind of like if you've ever been tackled by a wave at the beach that you didn't see coming and you just mm. rolled and now that's that does not sound like that wave fun. was actually <laughs> happiness though it was it right. was joy it oh, was okay. and i had no control over it i i didn't it wasn't something that i could really put my finger on i was just in it i was in the washing machine if you will and it was great i was having a great time uh, versus being at the beach and eating sand but, uh, I mean, it probably sounds a lot worse than it, I meant it. But it kind of, that's what I mean is that there was this uncontrollable wave that I, I didn't build it myself. It happened to me. And I think that was what was so really confounding about it and empowering at the same time that I could feel this way because of you. I didn't tell you to do something. I didn't ask you to do anything. I didn't build this. I didn't go out and find it for you. This was all about you. And that was really, really big. And it hit me like a five-pound sledgehammer to the gut uh, just because I didn't see it coming. And it was exciting and fun. And it, it was, I don't know, I'm still so happy for you. I can see it. <laughs> Liam, does that make any sense to you? Is there any part of that that you relate to in, on your side of the equation with, with Kate? Absolutely. In a broader sense, I think of the lifestyle as the place where what you didn't see coming can happen. And I think so much of our lives are very predictable. So we go to work, we know what to expect. If we work a certain, uh, uh, put in a certain amount of effort, we'll get a raise or we'll get a promotion. And, um, and other aspects of our lives are very structured that way. But the lifestyle is this amazing place where I know some people come in and say, I'm looking for a redhead who's a little shorter than me and they find <laughs> it and that works for them. But I'm looking for the thing that I did not see coming. I'm, I'm looking to be capsized by a tidal wave and it's happened so reliably in so many different ways that I just, I can't imagine experiencing this in any other aspect of my life. I love that. You know, I kind of feel maybe we're cut from the same cloth a little bit in this room that, you know, there's this scout mentality or we're all adventurers, mm -hmm. right? We're, we're setting out, we're on the trail and we don't know what to expect, but we're very excited that we're there. Right. Yeah. Well, in Podcast of Palooza was, uh, first of all, it was the first event for a lot of us in a long time. You know, uh, I've been to Hito multiple times during, during COVID for writing stories and stuff for ASN. 
and we've been to Hito since then, but that was kind you of You can send it. that. Yeah, you can send that hate mail to Mickey That's right. at Casual. <laughs> send it along. <laughs> Fuck you, Mickey, for having a good time. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, PCAP was really the first time that we saw a lot of people out again in a lifestyle capacity. And when we talk about that tidal wave and that euphoria, the same things happened when we got to sit down and connect with somebody maybe that we hadn't had a chance to connect with before. A good example would be sitting and talking to Kate when we had a chance to sit and talk one evening. The same thing with you, Liam, the very next day, I got to talk to you the same way. And I left those conversations feeling incredibly fulfilled because you're people that I admire, respect, and enjoy talking to. So I got to do that. And I hadn't got to do that in so long. So the same thing happened. I felt really great. And there were other conversations I had, you know, Bomber and Bell, Lock and Trist, uh, just people that really surprised me by, and not that they're, you know, I shouldn't be surprised, but I just didn't know them. So I was so surprised that I was able to connect so well with those people and just create friendships out of nothing, out of thin air. And I'm like, man, I love the lifestyle sometimes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's cool <laughs> yeah. as shit, right? So uh, I think it was awesome. So, you know, I guess one of the things we should probably do for folks, because what we've talked about here tonight is is just the euphoria that, that overwhelmed us and that we felt that way. We've talked a little bit about why we felt that way. It is this is this normal? Are we good? I mean, is this is this normal behavior? Do we feel like this is normal? Are we having a good time? And what do we say to anybody that is trying to add this dynamic to their relationship, to their life? So women who want this, how should they talk to their men? And females, women or men who want this, how should you talk to your wives? Uh, I think that we should talk about that a little bit. Well, I guess for me, um, there are, you know, there are a couple different things going through my head. So first it's how do I feel about my participation in hot wifing? So going off and having sex without Liam there. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, if, if this is something he wants and it's certainly not something I hate, (laughs) you know, I'm enjoying it. He seems to enjoy it. Um, the people I play with seem to be having a very good time. Um, then I don't see what's wrong with it. And I know that there are some swingers that are kind of purists about being in the same room all the time. And, um, you know, this is about us. So why would we want to play separately? And we were in that camp early on as well. Um, But I think the rewards of this lifestyle are not just sexual and they're not just immediate. So being in the same room and doing a traditional full swap is one kind of reward. But what Liam experiences when he sends me off to have a good time with someone else and he has that nervous, excited anticipation and then he has that beautiful reconnection after, that's another kind of reward. And you're only going to experience the full range of what the lifestyle offers if you try different things. And as Liam said, you're going to be surprised by those different things. So if you stick to the same room only, same bed only, um, that's cool, but you're going to get the same types of rewards by doing the same types of behaviors, right? So you've got to kind of branch out in order to experience all that there is to experience. And then the second part of it is, um, is that aftercare piece. So when Liam insisted, I'm going to take you on a shopping spree, like I'm going to take you to all of these expensive stores and spend a whole bunch of money on you. 
that's where I felt deeply morally uncomfortable. (laughs) And there was something in me that was like, I don't know if I should be given monetary rewards for having sex. That seems a little like sex work. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not what I signed up for. And, and so then I had to process this whole second part of the situation, right? And, you know, I've always been really uncomfortable with money and the money disparity between Liam and I, because with my previous two marriages, we had made the same amount of money. And so with Liam, he's the first relationship I've been in where he makes significantly more than I do. And that's always made me uncomfortable. Like I've insisted, even though we've been together for 10 years, on keeping a separate bank account to pay for my own shit because I do not want to be a gold digger. Um, so when he when he does these big grand gestures that result in you know extravagant gifts, there's something in me, maybe it's the poor kid who could never afford the cool stuff that feels very much like, I don't. I don't, uh, I like this, but I don't like this. Right. So, so that part was actually more complicated than the sexual part for me. I'm feeling you so hard right now. (laughs) And I think, and I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm wiggling in my seat and I'm like, we're not closing this without touching on the aftercare and how Mm. as women we're we're responding to these joys and how they want to shower us and compliment us. And some of that does come from a, a fiscal position, right? And I'm right there with you. Our dynamic is no different. We've been together 15 years and never shared the same bank account for the same thing. Call it pride. Call it, you know, keeping money out of the argument for the sake of the marriage. You know, whatever it shall be. We were both poor kids growing up. And when he takes me somewhere and wants to shower me with something that is monetary, especially in response to a sexual encounter, it freaked me out. I, I was super uncomfortable and... At the same time, as opposed as, as I was to it, me not taking him up on the compliment or the offer was actually, it felt offensive to him in some degree. Did you experience that as well? And like, how did you overcome that obstacle? Because that's, that's in my mind, it was part of his aftercare too. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, ultimately, obviously I gave in, <laughs> but <laughs> me too, me too. But yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned the Apple Watch. So he was like, I want to buy you the the best. What's the best Apple Watch? And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know if I need all these features. And I'm sure I can just get away with the three. It's fine. And so I was trying to like, let him do something nice, but also, you know, cut the cost so that I could feel okay about it. Um, Yeah. But you know, he he pushed. I get like, you know, we, we talk a lot about our love languages. Um, so even mm-hmm. if you've never read Gary Chapman's book from 20 years ago, you've probably heard about the love languages and mine, we established pretty early is gift giving. So that partly comes out of me being a poor kid where, um, getting a gift was a very big deal. And I, I really felt the anticipation of, you know, every time I knew a gift was coming and, and I understood that it was a sacrifice for my parents and, um, So for me, that became really imbued with meaning and love. And so I I love getting gifts, but I'm I'm uncomfortable with extravagant gifts. So I love it when he comes home with flowers or when he says, I want to take you on a date. But when he comes home with an expensive bag, I'm like, oh, oh God, how much did this cost? (laughs) But we have a a saying in our relationship, which is, 
you got to let a giver give because we're both givers. And sometimes, um, you know, our argument is, um, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? And we're both trying to find out how we can make the other happy. And we realize at a certain point, the way you make the other person happy, if they're a giver, is let the giver give. So in this case, she was going to get the best Apple Watch and there was nothing she could do about it. <laughs> so I would like to add something to that statement that I've seen repeatedly, and I'm a giver as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sometimes you got to tell me what you want. Because otherwise, I'm going to exhaust myself trying to give to you. If you never tell me that you want something, I'm going to go round and round and round trying to find something that brings you the happiness that I want to give you, that I want you to have. So you can make my life a lot fucking easier if you just tell me what you want in the first place. I want you to make that <laughs> tomorrow. All right. Ordering in Chinese, kids. <laughs> Yes, right. sold. But I mean, because I do love that. I love that concept of letting the giver give. But I do think that it still requires some some communication on that on that point. But uh, so I know that you know. And again, this is our show, so we can run long if we want to. Hopefully, everybody sticks with us here because I do think the last thing I want to cover is we have had this conversation with our wives, Liam, about our attraction to their happiness. And we've worked it out together in both of our relationships that they are able to go out and have these experiences should they desire them. How did we get there? How did the conversation happen for you guys? And and how did it happen for us? And does this work for everybody? Is there a universal way to say to your wife, I would love to watch you fuck? Yeah. Well, the first, the, the way it happened for us was very weird. And um, it was... We like weird. <laughs> yeah, you'll love this then. Uh, because Kate's sister had an actual hot wife experience before we knew the word hot wife, the dynamic. It was something set up um, by her husband. So Kate's sister's husband. And I'm going to actually let Kate just quickly <laughs> tell the story because she'll get it better than I will. And then I'll jump back in. I'm stuck on Kate has a sister. I'm like, there's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's gorgeous too, actually. Yeah, so um, my sister started getting anonymous texts from an admirer. And um, she, you know, took them home and showed her husband. And her husband, much to her surprise, said, that's really exciting. You should keep these going. So for several months, she was exchanging texts with this anonymous admirer. And she started to assume it was a guy at work who was kind of flirty with her. And it escalated and she kept sharing it with her husband and they kept having really hot sex. And um, eventually the anonymous admirer said, um, I want to meet you at a hotel. And so she takes this back to her husband and he encourages it. So she goes to the hotel and who is waiting there for her? It's her husband. So this whole time, it was this crazy mind fuck where she was looking at the guy at work and wondering, you know, when is he going to talk to me? And, um, you know, imagining all of these things. And she got herself geared up to actually have sex with this guy. And she turned up and it was just her husband. So, I mean, obviously that dynamic worked well for her husband, not so well for her. She was a little screwed up by it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I can see but that. But I heard this story 
outlining a scenario I had never considered in my entire life. And I had another one of those moments, one of those must do that, must make that happen that arose right from within me, which is the idea of seeing her with another man. And so once it happened, and once I worked my way through the initial bumps in the road, I realized there were lots of things going on, which is one of them, which we haven't talked about, is just seeing this person who you usually see in a sexual situation three to four inches from your face. Now you're going to see three feet away or 10 feet across the room away. And it's really different. And it's really hot because it doesn't matter how much porn or if you've been to Amsterdam, how many live sex shows you've seen, when it's someone that you really care about and love, it's hotter than it ruins porn for you. You can't look at porn anymore after that because you've seen something so amazing and so fully connected with your life on the erotic and on the on the personal love level that it's it's really powerful. So I think it was just hearing a weird story and it triggering something in me that I'd never considered before. And then once we worked it out, feeling it's just as powerful as I thought it would be. You know how hard it is to find porn that looks like your wife? <laughs> you got to make your own. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard to yeah. do. You sit there for hours scrolling, going, stay hard. I'm not there yet. Keep looking, keep looking, go faster. It's it's very difficult. It's very annoying. But, you know, I think for us, I mean, it all stemmed from that first conversation, you know, season one, episode one, right? The genesis of, of us, which is you'd make a great swinger. And then she wanted to punch me in the face and leave the dinner. <laughs> uh, but... Well, I mean, you did come in like the Kool-Aid man. It was how I roll. I'm really not subtle. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, you know, as we kind of explored the conversations about it, I think she realized pretty quickly that I'm just not, I don't have the jealous vein like you talked Mm -hmm. about earlier, Liam. I just don't have that jealous bone. It's, uh, if there's somebody out there that's better than me for her, she deserves him. I just don't think he exists. I was also conditioned to associate jealousy with a good partner, mm. right? It, which which is not healthy, obviously. But every partner I had, had and the people that I'd been exposed to, that was a key factor in that person being into you is they were jealous at some point. That was an indicator that they loved you. Oh. Which is, again, not healthy, not, not right, but that was the kind of the mentality. So it was very confusing to me when... You weren't a jealous creature. Yeah. So when we, you know, I started having early, <laughs> we did one of our early hot wife episodes and we talked about this a little bit. We've done a few of these over time and whenever, whenever it seems to make sense, we do one, right? This isn't a hot wife show. It's casual swinger. We talk about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but in this particular instance, when in one of the early, early ones, I got a message from someone who listened to the show and it was disparaging. It wasn't kind. Uh, and it was basically, how dare you? How could you let your wife do those things? And I was like, "Woo, you don't know her at all, <laughs> right? Because I don't let her do shit, <laughs> right? So that was the beginning of it. But the second part of it, you know, it's uh, if you loved her at all, which you clearly don't, I never forget that sentence, if you loved her at all, which you clearly don't, you would never stand by and allow things like that to happen in your marriage. First of all, fuck you, dude. Second of all, that's just, it couldn't be further from the truth. It's just something you don't understand that you feel compelled to comment on. Mm-hmm. 
And if it's such a problem for you, why are you listening to Casual Swinger? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, that's someone that's got a lot of issues. Honestly, like, come on, man, like, pack your shit yeah. and go go listen to something else. There's plenty of comedy podcasts out there. Go right. listen to one of those. Well, and that's uh, that the scarcity mindset, right? Where you feel like there's a scarce resource, and in this situation, I guess he's imagining love and sexual desire are the scarce resource. So you've either got to hoard it. Or you've got to learn to live without it. And it's ridiculous because there is, there's no other relationship in our lives where we, mu- we insist on only loving one other person, right? Like I've got two kids. I love both my kids a fucking huge shit ton amount, right? And neither one yeah. of them feels jealous, feels possessive, feels like they're not getting enough love or enough attention. I love them both so much it can fill them up equally. And, and there's still more. I also love Liam so fucking much. It makes me like, uh, feel things, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, and it feels dangerous how much I love him. And there's still enough for me to also love my friends, to also love my parents, to also love my siblings and my nieces and my nephews and to love to a degree, the people I have sex with. And like, there's still more, right? So yeah. it's this is not a scarce resource. Love and sexual desire, they just feed on themselves and, and reproduce. The more I love him, the more, you know, that expands out to the people around me and the more I love them, the more it expands out. Like, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's exponential. Yeah, it just multiplies, yeah. yeah. And Yeah, and infinite. Mm-hmm. You know, there, it's... You have an endless supply. It's up to you how much you want to mm-hmm. give yep. at the end of the day. Yeah. It's funny you talked about, you know, that having infinite love because I find that a lot of times when we're talking to people that are kind of at the top of the funnel that are just thinking about the lifestyle or swinging and trying to figure out what their rules are because everybody has a list of rules as long as they're fucking arm when they start out in the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It seems like love always has boundaries. I don't know why, but it feels like it's, well, and... Maybe it goes back to that I'll be happy when thing we were talking about, you know, that I'll be happy when I get a new car. I'll be happy when I lose 20 pounds. I'll be happy when my kids graduate college. Well, if if you don't love me now, when are you going to love me? Hmm. Right. What? Why are the, these boundaries in place? And so what, what I'm talking about, though, is that you shouldn't have to do any of these things to be loved, but you should do them if you love loving. Right. That's right. the best part about the lifestyle is because I love our friends that we've made in the lifestyle fiercely. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. folks like yourselves, folks like Jay and Angie, folks like Kate, uh, they just fill my cup to the top running over every single time I get to be around them. Yeah. And the same thing goes for the people that we share our bodies with. We mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. be out of, out of love and desire and fun. And I'm not taking anything away from Mallory mm-hmm. when, when I am with someone else and she's not taking anything away from me. But it does add something after the fact. It adds to euphoria. It adds to the sexual experience. It adds to the collective experiences that we've had and the stories that we have to draw back on as we spend our years together over now and the next million years that we'll be together because we're immortal. (laughs) But uh, I think that those are all really positive and powerful things. I agree. I think it's funny that you mentioned the, the boundaries when it comes to love. You know, and I have two theories and I'm I'm not, you know educated enough to really (laughs) stand by these as you know scientifically proven 
But I think there's two factors. One, we're, as people, we always live in relation to something else, mm. right? It, it, we can't help that. That's just part of our, our human nature. But when you talk about love with boundaries, every time I hear that, when something's defined, and I even hear this from my own mother, bless her heart, and I love her to pieces. It makes one of us. But they'll be, they'll be, <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, there'll be this thing like, She'll, she'll put a, a ceiling on something mm-hmm. and it almost tells you that I will not love you or appreciate you or respect you if this happens. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it tells me when you, when you put that fence up or you, you box that person in that there's now it's conditional instead of unconditional, mm-hmm. if right. that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, I, it's like, it gets talked about in psychology a lot these days, just that, um, you know, from the earliest time, a lot of the messaging of a parent to a child is. I need you to be this thing to reflect well on me. So I need you to be quiet in the store. I need you to say please and thank you. They're all good messages, but the subtext, unfortunately, in a lot of those messages is I need you to be a trained monkey for me. And that just gets carried right on through to our intimate relationships later because it's how we learn to love at the very, very earliest stage, how it was modeled for us. Yeah. Well, and it teaches us to be scared on what's what's on the other side of that fence, that border. Mm. Right. And, and for me, being who I am, I absolutely want to know now that you put that fence up. Now I got to go look on the other side. Well, and that brings me back to what I call love's landmine. Love's landmine is something that I talked about during podcast of Palooza. And I didn't refer to it that way, but that's how I refer to it normally. And love's landmine is the words, I trust you. I feel like when we say I trust you to somebody, it's because we love them and we want them to feel comfortable talking to us, telling us things, exposing their innermost desires, feelings, things they've done, things they want to do. Uh, you know, I've always wanted to see Fiji. That's usually what people are thinking about when they, you know, divulge their deepest, darkest secrets. But sometimes it's, I really want to fuck the pool guy. Right. Uh, but at the same time, the words I trust you, the reason they're a landmine is nobody ever qualifies it. Kind of like when your mom said when you were a kid, be good. I don't know what the fuck that means, mom. So I'm just going to roll with it and hope that I do a good job. But I trust you is the same thing. I trust you to what? I trust you to listen to me. I trust you to love me. I trust you to care for me. I trust you to be there. I trust you to accept me for who I am. I trust that you won't make me feel like less for being who I am. Yeah. Uh, Those are all, you know, different permutations of I trust you. We never say it. We never do it. And in hot wifing, trust is so important but i trust you to what is something that we need to cover we need to talk about it when you're considering hot wifing because if you don't have the right trust if you haven't talked about what you trust them to do for example send me a gps of where you parked your vehicle so i know where to look for you if i can't get in touch with you right i trust you to communicate with me i trust you to think about my feelings and i trust you to have a great goddamn time and tell me all about it later uh, I think those are all important points. Do you guys agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to do something here. We're uh, we're at about the 90-minute mark, and I think that's a perfect time for this. Uh, we could talk all day and all night with you guys. We proved that when we did the, the pre-chat for this. Uh, and yeah. I love what we've covered right. here. Me too. Are we all getting oh, naked Oh, hell now? yeah. I'm getting naked. Getting <laughs> is the that pool. what I mean, Mark? Hey, oh, shit. Yes. You know what? You guys should be very sad that this is not a video <laughs> podcast because those are fantastic tits. <laughs> I flash everyone at the end of every podcast interview I do. It's just, it's my oh, thing now. <laughs> All right. Same time All tomorrow. Right. That's right. We're recording it tomorrow. Uh, 
you know, at the end of our segments, Mallory always tells everybody where to find us, but I want you, Kate, to tell everybody where to find the monogamish marriage and what it is you guys do. All right. Well, we are the monogamish marriage. We write blogs and you can find us at www.themonogamishmarriage.com. We're also on Twitter at monogamish one and newly on Instagram at the monogamish marriage. So you can find us all those places. And you can get a little more of the sage advice from these two. These are two of the smartest people I've ever met in the lifestyle collectively. And naturally they found each other and married each other. And I just think that's fun. But uh, last but not least, thank you for joining us guys. Yes. Thank you so much. We could talk to you for hours, 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 and we may make you do this. I really think we should. I mean, anytime we come up with a compelling topic, we should be like, Hey guys, what you doing? Busy. We would love to, we can talk about anything. Yeah, but we just need somebody to class this show up. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not oh, doing I'm it justice. I love you. I, I I bring I I keep it real. I bring the trailer park. All right. Well, let's bring <laughs> yeah. this trailer park to a graceful close. Mal, you want to tell everybody where to find us? Sure, we're Casual Swinger everywhere. Feel free to shoot us a message uh, at podcast at casualswinger You can also find us on social media. We are Casual Swinger on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. You want to check out our Swinger profiles? We are on Double Date Nation, SDC, SLS, and Cassidy. You're still, I mean, even if you miss one, you're a hell of a lot better at it than I am. I think I got everything. All right, this has been Hot Wife Euphoria. We've been talking with the beautiful and brilliant The Monogamish Marriage blog. They've been with us today. That's Kate and Liam. Make sure to check them out on their website. That's themonogamishmarriage.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Casual Swimming.